another episode of That's a Wrap Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jay Rosales, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Dre, and our producer, Jason. How's it going, gentlemen? Dre, what's up? Uh, things are about to get super Greek. That, that's about it. Uh, Jay, <laughs> how are you? Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. It's good, man. How's it good? How you guys doing? It's This is That's a Wrap. It's a podcast for fans, by fans, and we're happy to be here. Uh, disclaimer, I did go to the game, and the Greek freak is still very, very big, even in the level 600. <laughs> you can almost high five him from up yeah there. yeah holy crap he's huge he almost no. stepped on your feet at that height jeez man but no well, no kidding no kidding i was like in the where the vents are <laughs> i could hear the vents going. <laughs> yeah but even <laughs> were they cheering <laughs> I, you know it, it was odd i could hear let's go raptors from the vent <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly Oh, the game must have been amazing to be at because it, it felt like, at least from where I was watching on TV, it felt like it was an extension of the Eastern Conference Finals. So, like, what was that like, dude? What was oh, it like man. being in the arena during that it game? It was great. Like, yes, yeah, so of course I was all the way up there. But, I mean, that's where the great fans are, right? Um, it, the You could feel, like, the energy was and there. And the stadium fans. Uh, it, yeah, the stadium and the stadium fans, exactly. Uh, the Raptors alumni was there. Obviously, Drake was there. It's just, like, the, the pure energy in the building. They knew that this wasn't just, like, a another game this was possibly a conference final matchup um and uh, and of course it's like the rematch from last year and there was a lot to it it's like one versus two in the in the eastern conference uh standing so there was just so much to it um but it, it felt it was fun and i think that all three of us are in the same page where win or lose there's nothing going to be taken away from this game. You can't really say that, you know, the, the Raps uh, shot the bed or, or Milwaukee is, is ki- well, Milwaukee is killing it, but like, it's just one game, right? And I even threw this out on Twitter. It's like, how do you guys feel about this game? Yes, we lost, but like, are you disappointed? Uh, was it just one game? Um, are you happy with the uh, the effort and everything? And and most of it was like, you know, it was just one game. It was fun. But yeah, like being at that game was, was hella fun, man. If this was like sometime last year, if, if a game like this happened, it would be like a referendum on like, okay, is this what does this mean if, if Kawhi were to stay or to go, right? Right. And this year it's what's I think everyone more and more having that mindset of it's all right, like win or lose, like as long as you can walk away with some sort of learnings from a game like this mm-hmm. and uh, you're good for the playoffs. Yeah, and it's it's different cuz I actually went to the Bucks game last year too, like one of the first Bucks game last year. And that one this one felt a little bit more freeing and and I think that it comes down to how why like you know with Kawhi's not here anymore and we all kind of got over it for now and we're playing with house money, right? We have the banner in the, in the, in the rafters and we are still reigning champions. So it's now like um a lot of people are ready to discredit us for being even in the playoffs, right? And now we're second C. So again, we're playing with house money. This is just free. If we're going to beat this team, we're, we're clearly uh, win or lose. We're still one of the top teams in the league, no matter what anyone says. Yeah. You know, the good thing about this, cause I was, uh, I was manning the Twitter um, during this game, which was one hell of a game to be doing social media during. It was a lot of fun. Actually. Nice. I prefer like electrifying games like this. Um, a lot of us were on the same page. But that, that's also a good thing, because a lot of us were saying, like, the foul shots needed to hit. So Chewbacca kind of went stale. The starters kind of needed to, to spice up a little bit more, maybe because we were missing Marcus Gasol and Norman Powell. But because we were all on the same page, I feel like there are things that we could have done to improve our chances and maybe have gone to that dub. But let's not forget, we were leading for a 
good portion of that game at some point. Mm-hmm. When most teams get annihilated by the Bucks, at least in the first quarter, and by the second, like there's no chance in hell. Like we fought, even though this game wasn't the most important. It was important, not statistically, but in a kind of in like a, a legacy way of, of the 2019-2020 season. What is this going to look like in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Are they going to go toe-to-toe? And uh, considering that we didn't have two of our main starters, which were vital for this Milwaukee series, especially Storm and Norman, and the fact that a lot of what we had was just pure bad luck, you know, Serge having a bad game or the the foul shots not going down or, you know, poor refereeing later on in the game, which, you know, we, we got to that point, whatever. Considering that a lot of that was just us going toe-to-toe statistically outside of the foul shots and perhaps like points in the paint and that kind of thing, that that's well, great. Like this isn't a bad loss. You're right. I mean, and I think that generally what we're finding is that you know people are do have that mindset of okay, well, this is just one game. It is just just one loss. But it's it's more beneficial for not just Raptors fans, but like the Raptors themselves. If they can come away with this type of game with some sort of learnings, mm-hmm. yes. and I feel like this team did. I mean, there was a lot of positive points we saw there in the first quarter and a half, um, especially when you know the first quarter alone. Uh, what I was looking for was is are, are the Raptors going to be able to knock down some shots from outside? Um, I was tweeting out that beforehand that you know we're nitpicking here and trying to find ways in which the Bucks can lose. And the main reason was you, you need to hit your outside shot. And the magic number, at least in my head, was, okay, well, every time the opponent hits 16 three-pointers or more, uh, the Bucks have lost. That's where six of their eight losses have come from, is when the opponent oh. has hit that magical number. Okay. And so what I was looking for in the first quarter was, do we hit at least four three-pointers? And then that averages out over each quarter. You get your 16. We hit five in that first quarter. And... For me, I was like, okay, this is encouraging first quarter. And then the second quarter, where there was that magical run and Matt Thomas kind of oh, yeah. temporarily well, broke the internet. I'll tell you, the, um, the building was, nine was icy, man. That The building electrified when that third... They could feel Matt Thomas three coming. Did it remind you guys of anyone? Like, when you saw him going off like that? like Because um, for me, I thought of JJ Redick. Like, yeah. the way he was coming off of those curls and just no hesitation just go for it like 100%. that's what and, i always felt like and his like quick release too very jj like yeah so i mean that was very encouraging and like dre from your perspective like did you even like i i you were tweeting a lot but it was like it did it feel like you couldn't even catch up to the the action because it was so fast-paced at uh it, it was funny because the, the the third three was a little bit later but the first three I was ready to tweet. I was like, man, Matt Thomas with the three, that looked that looked swift. And by the time I was about to push enter, or I was I was pasting my hashtags, he had another one. So I was like, oh, gotta <laughs> fix this. So yeah. uh there were times where that kind of thing did happen. It was a very mm-hmm. there were times like the the end of the second and the third quarter downfall where there was a, a little bit too much space in between my tweets because there wasn't really much to write home about outside of Kyle Lowry, uh, teabag him, himself with a Bucks player, but hey. Um, but aside from that, or that was in the fourth, rather, but you know, you get the idea. Uh, the first and the fourth were so rapid-paced with the amount of content from the Bucks, from the Raptors, 
God, they were like cutthroat. And uh, one of the other things that I pointed out was um, the Bucks' faces. Like, one of the most noteworthy things that happened in this game was Chris Middleton coming out as, you know, also getting stuffed by the Raptors to guy overtaking the game later on. And part of that has to do with, again, the faces. You look at Middleton. You look at Giannis when they're getting blocked by Boucher, when they're when they're tossing out of bounds by accident. They didn't look phased one bit. They had the same faces that Lowry had, that Ibaka had, that Kawhi had in our championship run. These guys are absolutely ready to claim that chip. And the fact that we lost kind of barely to them, if you take all things considered, for us is a good thing. But these guys are so determined. Like They're not screwing around. They're so far up first in the league. But they're not dancing around like Joel Embiid. They're still determined. They're yeah. hungry. They're going to get this thing. I think I like how you guys brought up a, a lot of the first quarter because and and if you if you listeners are wondering why we're talking so much about the first quarter is because um, the Bucks are their number one in first quarter margin differential. So they outscore opponents by a, pl- a plus 4.6 uh, points so and they also score about 30 points in every first quarter the bucks have been blowing out teams from the first 12 minutes but the raptors set the tone by winning the first quarter 27 to 25 so tw- 27 to 25 so i know that the first quarter isn't indicative of the whole game of course but you have to realize that the the bucks are known to play so fast paced and so well in the beginning that they can rest their players right and the fact that the raptors stand pat and did better um for the most part in the first and then you know the beginning of the second quarter that was really good on on our part so in the beginning of the second was more of the same but from the role players you got matt thomas uh firing scoring the first threes in a row chris boucher was also hitting a couple of threes and also playing great d on Giannis. those like wicked put back mm-hmm. highlight dunks on on Giannis himself uh, but it, i guess it it started to fall apart uh, at the end of the second and i think it kind of trickled into the third i believe the number was a 13 to 1 run that was going into the third so it was I, bad. I want to know what you guys think about was it more the Bucks adjusting or was it the Raptors going cold? So I was, I, I, what I'm thinking about is um, the, how to beat the rap or how to beat the Bucks is, is like Jay said, the magic number 16, we had 18, but the problem is, is that there are, sorry, 16, three pointers, but we had 18, three pointers. So automatically you're thinking we should have won. But the problem is, is that we shot a franchise high 52, three pointers. And that's Oof. if we're going to only hit 18, I believe like 30, 30 so percent of it, that's not going to cut it. Um, they the Bucks also they pack the paint so well that their opponents don't don't have the ability to do the whole driving kick for the open three. And a lot of the Raptors threes were either desperation or like after the screen on top of the key for Fred uh, and Larry and Fred, he got who was three of nine for three. Larry was one for seven for three and Serge was 10 or one for 10. So like these aren't really good numbers. And is it, do you think that the Bucks adjusted at halftime or do you think it was just the the matter of Raptors going cold? I don't know if the Bucks made major adjustments because I think since the beginning of the game, they kind of saw, and this is where a big chunk of our lead came from, especially in the second. They saw that our bench mob, our bench ran deeper. That is the fact. But our starters were getting shut down defensively because let's, let's not forget the Bucks are killing it on the defensive front this season. Mm-hmm. Like they're number one. So um, 
Serge Ibaka didn't have an answer. Siakam was kind of figuring out at times, kind of not figuring out at times. Lowry was literally dragging other people's nuts on his forehead, so there's that. Um, <laughs> I love how you, you know you it had out. like get rid of that man. I love it. <laughs> it was, it was mean, a really weird cares? play. It's a really weird play. I've never <laughs> seen that in my life. So sure. Um, who who if we won this game, who would have been our MVPs? Let's see. We had Boucher, who was like being Giannis before Giannis was Giannis in, in a game including Giannis. We had OG Ananobi, who's not a bench mob player, but you know he he was like one of the few starters that just did not give a damn. He just he just went for it. He wasn't getting shut down for the most part. There were times, but for the most part, the guy was having a hell of a game. There was Terrence Davis, who is proving yet and yet and yet again he should have been in the Rising Star Challenge, and it's 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 absolutely insane that he wasn't. So. Our bench mob, and that's a big reason why in the second we were doing we were doing pretty well. Our bench mob is what was getting us where we were wanting to be. But when our starters came back on, when they were going toe to toe with the with the Milwaukee starters, that kind of told a different story. Especially with like Ibaka getting absolutely frozen during this game. He was missing shots. He was doing turnovers. He was sending it out of bounds. Because of that, I think their their adjustments were, were minor because whenever we would have to do a major adjustment to try and clean them out, all it had to take was a little bit of patience. Suddenly, the people with, with cold spots came back into the game. So Surge is back on. We got this. And then they went on a run. So mm-hmm. I think all they had to do was play the patience game, exhaust us, send our starters back on who weren't doing too hot. And that was it. They kept doing well. Plus, sending us to the line, we were very, very low percentage at the line. And that's all they had to do. Yeah, there was a couple things that could have been done here to, to stem the tide. And once they went up by 12, uh, two and a half minutes left, they were on a roll. They even had the, the Raptors, even with that 12-point lead, it's quickly forgotten that the Bucks didn't score on their next two possessions. So there were opportunities there for the Raptors to even further that lead. I think what ended up happening was a combination of the the bunks the Bucks cranking up the D and getting a little bit of luck there. On the defensive end for the Bucks, they got a little bit lucky because as Dre alluded to, Ibaka missed two free throws, Kyle Lowry misses one of two. Uh, meanwhile, the the Bucks start hitting their threes. Marvin Williams hits one, uh, and Tacumpo hits one, Chris Middleton hits yep. one. So Lopez Brothers and, and hits hits like two or three yeah. too. The the Lopez brothers, you can live with that with those with them shooting threes, but if they start hitting it when they're hitting it, then what can you really do? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're trying to pick the lesser of the evils here, and that is, you know, don't let Antetokounmpo get a drive to the basket, or don't give up an open three to Chris Middleton. You can live with that, but the problem is they were actually making them. Um, I think mm-hmm. what really helped the Bucks here is that they're, you know, this is the number one defense for a reason. And we were talking about this in the beginning. I believe it was Dre who was mentioning it. The Bucks are one of the best teams at defending at the rim. Um, I think Blake Murphy of The Athletic recently uh, said in his last article that their defense uh, guarding the rim is better than the next three teams combined. So Damn. they're outstanding at defending the rim. So that's that's one of those things that deters people from even going in there. That's why the Raptors only had, I think it's something like 14, uh, either 14 made baskets near the rim or 14 attempts. I don't know what it was, but it was mm-hmm. a ridiculously low number, shooting 40% from two. So um, that's what forces you to shoot 52 three-pointers in a game is that's the game plan that the Bucks want you to do. So 
um, I think the one thing that the Raptors could have done a little bit more is even if they weren't shoot trying to shoot over Brook Lopez or Giannis at the rim, at least give the illusion that you are and drive a little. If you're not even driving, then they're not even going to try to defend. That's one less thing that they have to worry about. At least do the threat of the drive and then pass it out. And that should open it up behind the arc for, for better looking threes. There is one play. Uh, there's a famous Raptors top of the key play called the hammer play. And I feel like the, the, the Milwaukee Bucks read that perfectly and a lot of the times that yeah this i saw been, they sniffed it out yeah it was they were raptors are constantly very successful and if you guys don't know what the hammer play is so the ball hander is on the top of the key waits for um one of the the uh, the players to give him a pick so he drives all the way into the middle of the paint and then there's another defender who is off screening on the opposite end of the floor to get a wide open three for another uh, for i guess one of our hot shooters which in this case was terrence davis uh and then so what would happen is the uh point guard who's driving it will go all the way to the paint jump up and then uh dish it uh, to the person in the corner who should be wide open. Milwaukee, I saw, even in the 600 level, Budenholzer sniffed that out in the beginning right before they even drove, right before Kyle Lowry drove, and then the play was gone. The play was done. And it, I love that play so much because, one, it's been very successful, and, two, it's just pretty to watch. Um, but for some reason... I guess like how they read it, it was so perfect. So not only are they so good in offense and they'll just drive it into and force those buckets, but on like you said, Jay, the on the defensive end, they just read um, plays very well. They're enormous in the paint. Um, they have both Lopez brothers and they have Giannis and Nakumbo who are like both you know wingspan of fourteen feet or something like that. Like they're it's it, they're incredibly long and incredibly strong. Um, so getting Anything outside of inside the paint is going to be very hard. Um, if you're not going to shoot a good percentage uh, from out, uh, I guess like beyond the arc, you're not going to win. And th- here is where uh, th- that whole narrative of like you know if you had Kawhi or we're missing someone like Kawhi, this is where I kind of understand because if you can't shoot the three and you can't shoot in the paint, what's open? It's the mid range. And we don't really have very many players that shoot the mid range outside of maybe Pascal or Gasol. So, like, yeah, like I said, I mean, the, the, this Bucks team, they're a juggernaut, man. They they click on all fronts. If you don't play a perfect or a near perfect game, then you have no chance. And I'm very, very impressed by what the Bucks did last night. Now, let's stay on that point of Kawhi Leonard, actually. And I know that we're never going to live down the fact that Kawhi is no longer here. But let's stay on that for a second because I think what was important was last year, how did the Raptors defend Giannis? And the biggest key was um, Kawhi Leonard. And we, we all know on this pod that it was a team effort, but Kawhi was at the center of that defensive strategy. Um, the first time the Raptors played the Bucks this year in November, that responsibility fell on two players, OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. OG did a way better job against Siakam. Um, Siakam only took two shots, while Siakam, in the same amount of time, he took six field goals and scored nine points. You could see by the eye test that he was way more aggressive when he saw Siakam guarding him. He did the same thing in in much less time against Serge Ibaka. So basically what we came out of that first game thinking was, okay, OG needs more time guarding Giannis. And 
in the last game, that's exactly what we saw. Nobody had spent more time on Giannis than OG, and OG actually spent twice as much time guarding Giannis than anyone else on the Raptors. So that's a very positive sign. And you saw mm. the effects of that. The effects of that are, like, at, at a glance, you look at the box score, you say, oh, wow, 19 points. I guess, uh, you know, he's, he had an okay game. He didn't quite hit his season uh, average, but 19 points is 19 points. But he worked for those points. Yeah. And specifically, when OG was guarding him, he only had four points. But that was over the span of four and a half minutes. To give you some perspective on that, uh, Serge Ibaka guarded him for only a minute and a half. So that's three minutes less than what OG guarded. But he scored even more points. You can see that depending on who's guarding him, that's where he would feast on. He tried to feast on Serge, and he just couldn't against OG. So I think the, the takeaway there is, is something that we were already saying after the first game, which was put OG on Giannis. And I mm-hmm. think that we'll see more of that moving forward. And that's a, a, a sticking point that, that the Raptors can use because if you could just use one person to guard Giannis, that's a win. Because then you can stay home to the shooters, the many shooters that the Bucks have, and your the defensive dominoes start to fall from there. I don't think that well, okay, this this could be quite a stretch to be honest, but I honestly don't think that Nurse is putting everything he has out there because oh, of course. because he know one, we're facing them two more times this year. And two, this could be um very well be either our second or the conference finals we could see these guys in the car in the playoffs again and even in the post game where nurse was like um i really liked what you know matt thomas did i really liked what surge was doing like he was trying to get him going but he was hoping that the shots would go in like you can tell that this is just a trial and error at this point there is a lot more that nurse wants to do and that this team wants to do especially the fact that we alluded to this before gasol and norm aren't there so there's a lot to play around with. This is the first game, and we're putting a lot of emphasis on it because this is, again, could be our conference final matchup. Obviously, we don't want to look past, you know, first, second, or even the the 24 more games we have left. But, you know, this is a big game. And I feel like a lot of teams are trying to figure out how to stop one Giannis. I don't think you can, but how to stop the Bucks entirely. And for if there is any team and not being biased aside if there's any team or any coach that can do it it's nurse because he's done it before so is there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about with this box game before we move on just we're gonna see them again and we're gonna come guns blazing that's it how about you jay uh, the only thing i want to add is is not really yeah, actually it is bucks related but not necessarily around this game um i just i couldn't help but think okay well Giannis to toronto is something that we're always going to talk about, and we managed to make this, make it through this entire podcast without mentioning it. But here I am mentioning it, and this is why. How is it that Toronto is going to afford Giannis and blah blah blah? But I don't think anyone's really looking at the Bucks salary cap situation. So I did, and what I noticed was that, in terms of who is already on their books, if you add in a max contract for Giannis, then they are already hitting. The salary cap at 125 million with Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez, George Hill, and Dante DiVincenzo. How else are they going to fill out that roster with like six more bodies on minimum contracts? I don't know. And also, all of those names I just listed outside of DiVincenzo are 
at by the time the the season of 2021 starts, they'll all be at least 30 years old. So, mm. in other words, Giannis will be signing a max contract on a team that will be a not as deep as it currently is, and b everyone will be either past their prime or passing their prime. Flip that around and let's look at Toronto's situation. In 2021, the Raptors will have Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Norm Powell, OG Ananobi, Terrence Davis, Matt Thomas, and Dewan Hernandez, all of them under the age of 28. Mm. So all of them in their prime or in their prime. That, to me, sounds like a way better core, both younger and more skilled than what the Bucks have to offer in 2021. That he's going to perspective is this year's. I just feel like I'm impressed by how you're right. We went exactly half an hour without saying Giannis Toronto, uh, Toronto 2021. <laughs> so I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you brought all that up. And it's true. There there is a lot of narratives when it comes to you know the Bucks salary cap and our salary cap and who's coming. But I remember there is this whole thing about you know uh, you know that that scene last year where Kawhi was talking to. No, sorry, not Kawhi, where Kyrie was talking to Kevin Durant, to Kevin in, the Durant. Room in the yeah. All-Star game. They're probably plotting, probably not, to be honest, but the the whole, you know, plotting to be in the same team. And then there was that, you know... Anywhere but New York City. <laughs> yeah. And then this year, it was Lowry wanted to have his locker room beside Giannis and all that stuff. But remember, most likely, Lowry's not going to be here when come, come the time Giannis is going to be a free agent. So there's a lot of... The, we're thinking about I've, I'm pretty sure we're in the uh, majority of saying that Giannis will probably stay in Milwaukee but like of that 20 or 30 percent that he doesn't that the possibility of him coming in Toronto isn't going to be the team that we have now we have to realize that it's going to be the the future assets that we have there's going to be the the Pascals what we're going to do with Norm what we're going to do with Fred what we're going to do with Sir just a lot more narratives that have to, that there has to be cleaned up on our lineup before we even think about 2021 we don't even know where messiah is going so there's a lot to think about but I, 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 he's staying. <laughs> I, I know i know he's staying i know he's staying but I, i'm just saying there's there's a lot more to think about before we start throwing the whole ter- uh co Giannis to toronto but you know i mean he's the greek freak he should he should come to toronto but i'm I, I'll, I'll be honest i i would like him here all right man so before we uh, move on, or before we finish this episode, let's talk about the upcoming games for the Raptors. So Friday night, the uh, the the, Horn, the Charlotte Hornets are coming into town, and uh, some breaking news: Malik Monk is suspended indefinitely for violating league's anti-drug pro- uh, program. So there's no time for him returning. And also, if you guys remember oh. the last game against the Hornets, the game went into overtime. T- Terrence Davis had a great game, same lineup as Serge Ibaka with 23 and 10. And then he also guarded Terry Rozier at the final buzzer. Rozier missed it, and then they started doing some trash talking to each other, ended the game. So I, I don't know, maybe we can see some fireworks. Um, on Sunday, we're going to Denver against the Nuggets. Um, the Nuggets are no talk about no one talking about a team the nuggets are second in the east right or second in the west right now with a 40 and 18 record jokic is averaging a career high 20 and 20 and 8 points 10 rebounds 7.8 assist and they're 73 in the last 10 games and they're 17 and 11 uh in away games so that that's going to be a tough tough test for the raptors and finally on tuesday we got the suns 
I mean, it wasn't according to Nurse, it wasn't really a fun game to coach <laughs> the last time they played against each other, but I feel like we got that one. So what do you guys think? Hornets, Nuggets, Suns. Um Hornets were gonna cream, especially because Monk's not there. Uh Denver's gonna be a bit tricky, but I think we've got a good chance because they're usually quite good, but when they crumble, they crumble over stupid things. So I think we can maybe outsmart their team, uh, perhaps coaching-wise. The Suns, we're going to win, and Devin Booker's going to get... He's going to break Will Chamberlain's record. He's going to get 101, and the team's still going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going uh, win-loss-win. Uh, the, the Nuggets being the only loss, uh, it is the start of a five-game road trip, and the Nuggets have given us trouble in the past. We've lost three of our last four against them. Uh, they swept the season series against us last year. Um, and also, it's just... Playing up in a mile high, like the altitude is just not that great to play in. So I'm going to go ahead and say that's actually a loss for this team. Uh, we still don't know when Gasol's coming back. It doesn't sound like Gasol or Powell are going to be back for these games. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say that that'll be the only loss of the three listed. All right. Yeah, I like it. So, f- fans, I also want you guys to let us know what you think about the next uh, three games and also what you thought about the the Bucks game. Uh, were you were you down on it? Were you encouraged by it? Or was it just one game? And, again, we're going to face these guys uh, two more times in for the rest of the season and also possibly in the conference finals. But until next time, boys, Dre, where can I find you, man? You can find me on Twitter. Twitter at Andreas Babs. You could follow my film editorial and review website, Films Fatale, F I L M S F A T L E dot com, where you could find movie reviews, movie articles, all that good stuff. To be honest, February is a pretty crappy month for, you know, bad movies. There's nothing exciting in the cinema, but March is around the corner. So hopefully things uh, take a turn for the better. So, Jay, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Rosalisaurus. You can find my work on Raptors HQ where you're finding this podcast. Uh, I have my weekly article called The Wrap Up where I look at the games of the week. Um, a couple days ago, I was on uh, South of the Six podcast with Adam Corsair. It was a great pod. We got to talk Sorry. about uh, All-Star Weekend and preview the Bucks game. Uh, don't listen to that preview part because I did predict a victory. <laughs> um, and sometime next right. week, I will be hopping on uh, with the with our buddies over at Golden State of Mind and do a preview of the uh, finals rematch uh, next Ooh. week and uh, talking Golden State Warriors and Raptors. So uh, very nice, yeah, nice. All right, and you can check all of us out at That's a Rap Pod on Twitter. You can email us at That's a Rap Podcast at gmail.com and make sure to check us out on Apple iTunes. Uh, search up Raptors HQ. When you do so, please leave us a five-star review and leave us a comment because it really helps us, uh, get, you know, reach all the Raptor heads out there because I know that there are plenty of you guys out there. But until next time, boys and girls, that's a wrap. With Bradley Beal scoring over 50 points in two games and losing both, it's no coincidence that BB also stands for Blue Balls. <laughs> Oh, uh, so I need to stop. Let's go. Put that in the beginning. <laughs>